Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Skylit, the latest episode of Skylight Books remote podcast author interview series. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest. Mina Harris is here to talk about her new children's book, Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. Welcome, Mina. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and for bearing with us while we <laughs> worked out some technical I know, those were some really, I was like 13 whole minutes of struggling to talk to you, but we made it happen. That's, we're that's the quarantine life, you know? Exactly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Always something. Um, well, I'm really excited to uh, talk to you about your book today. Um, so, it comes out on June 2nd, so we're going to release this podcast right around your pub day. Awesome. Um, and I'd love to hear uh, just where did the idea for this book come from? Yeah, so it was a lot of uh, different things that sort of came together at once. I think the first thing is really wanting to memorialize uh, this story that I had heard growing up. It's based on a, a true story from the childhood of my mom, Maya, and Aunt Kamala. And uh, it was something that I loved hearing grow, growing up in addition to all these other stories about them as kids and them as these young girls, you know, growing up together in the 70s. And part of it was the the moment of my becoming a new mom and thinking about um, not only, you know, this extraordinary household I was raised in with all these incredible strong women, right? Um, and having a real deep appreciation for that now as a new mom myself, but also thinking about how do I pass that on to my kids, right? Through storytelling, through um, literally teaching them those values and lessons that my grandmother um, instilled in all of us. And um, I thought, what better way to do that than through a kid's book and how cool would that be, right? To get to share it with them through that medium. And so that was one big thing. And and part of it, I think, was also just this sort of moment that we're in. And it's in many ways the same thing that inspired me to launch my women's brand, which is just responding in this moment of, you know, encouraging people to speak up and to speak out and to be engaged in their communities and to do um, anything that they can um, to, you know, to do good in the world, uh, no matter how small. And that's very much the message, right? That we all have a role to play, that each of us can can do something. And in my household, it was taken a step further that we all have a responsibility, right? We all have a duty to do something. And so those are the the messages um, that, that the book is about. And I would say the third sort of main thing is, um, 
again, becoming a new mom and reading kids books, uh, especially to my older child and not seeing characters that look like her, right? Uh, we were reading the classics like Goodnight Moon and, you know, Where the Wild Things Are and Brown Bear and all those books are incredible. And it, it, these classics are, I think, super important to teach our kids. Um, you know, The Hungry Caterpillar, right? Like we all um, have such fond, I think, memories of those books um, when we were growing up too. But uh, I think we can be doing better in terms of, you know, having um, girl protagonists and um, better yet, girls of color, right? And depicting them as leaders. Um, they, right now, the default is like white boys, right? Marley Diaz, um, the education and uh, book uh, activist says, you know, they just want me to read about white boys and their dogs. And it's, it's true. Um, in 2018, there were as many books uh, about animals, as many books with animals as main characters, as there were books that had Black, Latinx, Native, and Asian characters combined, right? Like wow. we, I mean, that's just, it's stunning. And we found ourselves, you know, coloring the skin color brown sometimes or changing pronouns a lot of the time, changing the pronouns from he to she to they, right? I mean, it's just like, you're reading the book and you're like, wow, is every freaking character like a male? Like, this is crazy, right? <laughs> and it takes a, and it's only when you're going through that process do you actually kind of really have an appreciation for it and you realize that. Um, I had an even recent moment where we were watching Curious George, like the animated, uh, you know, series. And again, like, yes, there are women in, in places in the, in the series, but like, it's really a lot of men that are sort of doing things and are part of the storyline. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was, that was what it was about, right? How do I create something that my daughter can see herself in and that, you know, whether it's the brown skin or curly hair or, you know, living in the way that we do and it was, and, and the family that we have, um, and, and making those characters relatable, just like existing in the world. It's not called the like brown girl with curly hair power girl book, right? <laughs> it's just girl, girl leaders existing in the world. And uh, I would love for that to be the default. I would love for it to be the default, you know, that boys read, that white children read, right? Like, this is important for all of us. Um, and it, it has a huge impact later on in life, right? In terms of how young boys, for example, um, see girls and later see women. And so it was really about that, right? Creating fully uh, developed, relatable, interesting uh, main characters, not supporting characters, main characters that were, were these powerful girls. And another interesting sort of inspiration for this was that um, I, w I was lucky that when my older one was born, it also coincided with this like amazing proliferation of, of feminist literature, right? Around like rebel girls and uh, rad women from A to Z. And, and again, that's of a super important, the history is important. We're very much, you know, committed to like teaching them the history. Uh, but I'm also like, I'm tired of reading lists of women, right? And, and women that like are dead, literally are not relatable, do not exist in the world today. Um, and are not, you know, sort of something that my, my children are like imagining themselves in, right? And aspiring to, um, well, I shouldn't say that, you can aspire to right, uh, the lives of like historical characters, but uh, it just wasn't, it didn't feel real, right? It didn't feel relatable. So uh, lots of reasons why I wrote it, but uh, I would say those were, you know, the top three, like the family story, passing that on, uh, encouraging through children's literature, people to speak out and do their part and play a role in, in making, you know, our communities better, and three, diversity in children's literature. 
That's great. Um, and I love especially that this is a family story and, you know, these characters are real people who a lot of us know and know right, of. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm so, going to get in trouble. I just read it to my kids actually for the first time. I was like waiting for the like big moment to, to do it and like get it on video. And I was really struggling with like, do I tell them the actual, do I use the names Kamala and Maya or do I say like grandma and auntie because they don't yet <laughs> know and I was trying to be sneaky and I think my older one figured it out because at the end there's there's pictures of all of us and I'm like who's that and she's like Kamala my and I'm like who's that she's like mommy wait a second <laughs> so uh, we're gonna we'll see how that goes over with my mom and aunt uh, <laughs> maybe we call them by their first names which basically means like I'll probably be dead um in a couple weeks once they find out <laughs> So since this is a family story, um, could you talk about sort of what does activism look like in your family? What's, what has your family's sort of activist um, past been and uh, how, how did it, how was that part of your growing up in your childhood? Yeah, what I think is awesome is that I got to see so many different ways of being an activist and kind of like all of the, the different levels of being an activist. Um, and that's to say that, you know, my grandmother in many ways showed me everyday acts of activism. Um, later on, you know, she was very in involved in the civil rights movement and was out there marching and, and protesting. But, you know, later on when she was older um, and taking care of me, you know, sometimes that meant like when we were going to the grocery store, she was explaining to me why we weren't allowed to buy grapes because we were boycotting, right? I was like four and learned the word boycott for the first time um, because, you know, Cesar Chavez was um, fasting to call attention to the plight of um, farm workers and their families, right? And people were boycotting grapes. So in the grocery store, right? In the grocery aisle, she was showing me everyday acts of activism. Um, and then, you know, my mom was another example. She was a, you know, civil rights lawyer. She was at the ACLU for a long time, uh, public interest lawyer, social justice, racial justice lawyer. Um, my aunt, I was able to see it through elected office, right? She uh, is a public official. Um, I guess I, it's probably more dominated by the perspective of a lawyer, um, but we also know, and I think for them as well growing up, like lawyers were agents of social change, right? Um, those were uh, the folks that were um, doing the work. And uh, so I think I was able to see so many different examples of it. And what it taught to me was that uh, any of us can, can, can do it, can do the work, right? And, our, and, and we can do it in our own unique ways. And we each can, I think, make a contribution. And for me, um, as much as like, I did kind of follow that path and I went to law school, um, I ultimately, I feel like am making, you know, my contribution through, through kids books, for example, right? Or um, before this, through being an entrepreneur, being a creative person. And um, it's, I think, really amazing to see, you know, and be able to, to show that to my kids that each of us can do this in our own individual ways. And each of us has a role to play. And so that was very much the, the message that I was given growing up, growing up. And um, it was not only, you know, that it's possible and, and you can do that, but that you should do that and that it's a duty and responsibility. If you have any level of privilege or access or ability to use your voice to speak loudly to do that right and to show up for your community to make your community better. Um, but that there's no, no effort, no action is too small. Hmm. Um, so thinking in that vein, as parents are reading your book and, and learning about activism that way, how would you recommend that that parents and kids work together to kind of enter into activism? 
Yeah. I mean, I want to start by saying that feels like a lot to put on people, right? Especially like everyday ordinary folks going about their lives. And I want to start by saying, I think it's important to meet people where they are and that each of us can do this in our own ways that are accessible to us. Right. And what I love about the book is that it's literally in their apartment complex, in the courtyard of their apartment, right? It's in their backyard. Um, so maybe in for other people, it's like a community garden or um, you know, doing something for an elderly neighbor, right? Like it's really basic building blocks around like empathy and kindness and caring for your community. And so I think in terms of what parents can be doing, it's uh, starting the conversation, number one, right? Deciding, you know, what your viewpoint is. From my household, it was that I had a responsibility. That was expected of me. Um, I'm not saying everybody has, that was probably a more like aggressive approach to this. And I don't know that's maybe, you know, for everyone, but, you know, deciding, are you going to have uh, conversations with your, with your kids that, you know, we want to do good in the world? And what does that mean? And how do we do that? I mean, the way I, I talk about it with my older daughter, who's able to sort of obviously engage a bit more, um, is, is pointing out people that I are I'm calling community leaders, right? I feel like community organizer, which is obviously another important thing to teach her about is like a little bit too complex for right now. Um, but you know, for example, Moana is like a big thing in our household as I think is for a lot of people. And, um, as, as much as I think Moana is amazing, right. In terms of the diversity and, and showing other cultures, um, it's still, and, and it's not, calling her princess. She's still like the chief's daughter, right? Um, and, and her being defined by her father's status. And so I was very intentional in saying, I, Moana is a community leader, right? And I mean, she really like got hooked on that. And so every like female character now, she's like, mommy, is that a community leader? And I will say, well, I don't know. Like, what does it mean to be a community leader? So, you know, and talking that through, right? What does that mean? Does it, mean it means that you're a healthier community. It means that um, you help people when they're in need. It means that you're kind. It means that you take care of your community. So, you know, starting the conversation. And um, I think, and then for me, it's also about taking what's going on in the real world, right? And figuring out what are sort of universal kid lessons that we can draw from that. And so with the pandemic, right? I think it's emphasizing that there are a lot of people suffering right now and that that's not okay. And that there are things that we as a community, we as you know, community leaders can be doing for people such as providing a social safety net. Um, am I phrasing it that way to my kids? No, but right, that like people have a right, you know, people should not be going hungry. That's like a very basic thing that you can talk to your kids about. And how do we fix that, right? Um, I think when you, the idea of turning words into action, do you then follow that up by, you know, talking to your kids about donating to local food banks, right? And, and, and what the impact of that is in people around you. Um, are you, you know, doing things like, uh, you know, making masks or drawing a rainbow and putting it in your window, right? Like that's such a small thing, but it's a thing that is joyful and you can explain it in terms of the context in which you're doing it and why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone earlier today about, uh, her son was really a younger son was really, um, sad about the fires in Australia and he really cares about the environment. And, you know, he went to bed crying and, you know, she had the moment of sitting with him and talking about that and listening and, and, and listening, you know, to his, um, and honoring, you know, the emotions, but then the next day they went and looked up things that they could do, right? Can we donate to, he had some money saved up. Can we donate to causes? Um, so the point is it, it doesn't have to be a big grand thing where you're, you know, going to a protest or going to a march or, um, you know, doing something that is sort of outside of, you know, what you're used to. But I think 
you can do is something, right? Like write the letter, um, teach your kids about writing to members of Congress, um, write thank you letters, right? You know, um, and I think it's, I think the key is, is using things that are happening around you and that makes it that much more real and relatable, right? For your children too. Yeah. I love the, the letters in, in the book from Kamala to the landlord. Uh, Those are so cute. And like, you can see the politician that she becomes in in those letters. Totally. Yeah. But making um, sure that uh, she's like very documenting what she's asking for. And I'm giving you a chance to respond to Mr. Landlord. (laughs) The children are demanding this. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny. I mean, there's an escalation tactic too, right? She, they started off with the first letter and then they went and got some more kids on board and then they wrote the longer letter. So um, what I love again about that is that it's such a small thing, but it really is kind of taking you step by step. Like here's the process, here are the you know, tools that you can use, figure out, you know, if you want to get something done, you're going to need help. Who do you need help from? How do you write a letter to them to, to get that help? How do you explain what the problem is, the issues that you're trying to solve? Right. And really creating those building blocks. Um, and we actually, we created activity pages to go along with the book to do just that, right? Uh, help kids come up with a big idea and walk them through each of the steps um, in order to make that happen, including we have letter, letter, excuse me, letter writing templates um, for asking for help, right? And also thank you letters for frontline workers and things like that. That's so great. Oh, I, lo- I love an interactive book. Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm curious if you have recommendations of, of other books that you know, activist-minded parents could look into um, or, or resources or organizations they could reach out to if they, if they want to do more with their kids? Yeah, my go-to and a lot of folks, at least in the Bay Area, from what I can tell, I think it's a Bay Area author, um, is A is for Activist, is a really lovely um, board book. Um, you know, I mentioned these earlier, but the Radical Women books, right, the teaching the history of, of uh, generations of women who have, um, you know, used their platforms to, to speak up and make a change. Um, so Rebel Girls, uh, they have a whole series now that focuses on biographical, right, entire um, books about different women in history. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this one already, but Sofia Valdez, uh, Future Prez is a good one. Um, my four-year-old was going around while her aunt was running for president saying she also wanted to be a president. Um, so that was a, you know, fun, fun one, which is to say, great, you want to be a president? How do you make that happen? Like what's needed, right? Um, and I, I teach her part of being a, a president or becoming a president is learning how to communicate effectively, which means, you know, not yelling at your sister. If you want her to, you, you want to influence her to do something, like these are the tools you need to become a president. Like, let's figure this out. Um, <laughs> Hair love is was a big one and, and continues to be, you know, as, as um, especially the older one is getting um, older, teaching her through books, both love for her textured hair as well as um, taking care of it. Um, so along those lines, Bedtime Bonnet is a new one that just came out from a fellow author friend, Nancy Red. Um, and one thing I want to say about those two books that I've been thinking about, which is you know, we are reading them to our children because it's relevant to their experience with their hair, right? And they can relate to the characters. But I actually, uh, and I think people would probably least likely think that they should read those books to kids that don't have that sort of hair. Um, But I think that it's super important for uh, you know, white children to read those books, right? We have lots of interesting conversations with adults around 
understanding people's different experiences with hair and by, and like not touching people's hair. Right. Like <laughs> these are things that you can, and by the way, those are like basic things around boundaries, understanding that people have different, right. Like understanding the world around you and different cultures and experiences and not living in a bubble. Like these are tools that you can help uh, your children to understand other um, communities. And I think it's, it's really key to think about that. Um, and likewise for mine, right? It's not just for girls. It's not just for girls of color. It's for all children and all children benefit from seeing girl leaders in the world. Um, so in that way, you know, I think a lot of the stuff, the, the feminist literature, it's not just for girls. Like boys need to, to consume that as well. Um, what else? The Proudest Blue, I think it's called by Ibtihaj um, Muhammad is really wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, especially now as a new author and someone who's really dedicated to improving diversity in children's literature and like keeping track of all of the um, recent ones and new ones that are coming out. And so that's sort of my thing is uh, really, and, and you know, helping to show support for um, folks that are putting out diverse literature because it's so important. Yeah, those are all fantastic picks. Um, huge fan of everything you've mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, before we wrap up, I wonder, is there anything else you want to talk about in kind of the creation of the book? Any other messages you want to send to potential readers, families? Yeah, I think I'd add just um, in addition to the need for, you know, more diversity in children's literature, you know, acknowledging again that we've made tons of progress, but we still have a long way to go. I cited that, you know, statistic about, um, there being more books with animal characters in 2018 um, than with children of color um, main characters. And I would add that likewise, um, it's the same, it's pretty much the same for authors and illustrators, right? And I'm super, super proud, uh, not only to be a woman of color author, but to have a uh, Latina as my illustrator, an incredible um, local. She's uh, from Oakland, or not from Oakland, but she lives in Oakland, which is where I'm from. Um, she was visual development artist for um, Pixar's Coco, which is a family favorite um, of ours that, again, it's, I mean, it's a, a beautiful, gorgeous film about Mexican culture and in teaching it through, um, you know, the, the art and the community celebrations. And I mean, it's just incredible. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really proud that we did this together and um, that she's my illustrator. And uh, I hope people love it as much as I do, as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, the illustrations are so beautiful, really colorful and fun. Yeah, exactly. I love yeah. she's, you know, does a lot like with florals and bright colors. And I knew immediately I sort of had, you know, some options of like illustrators to choose from in terms of the, you know, the process, publishing process. And uh, I was so excited to be able to work with her. Um, and she just immediately jumped out as like, oh my God, I have to work with, with Anna. That's so a great really team. Proud of that. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mina. Uh, Mina's book thank is Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. Um, you want to say goodbye to our listeners? Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I actually meant to, uh, uh, praise you at the beginning for pronouncing her name properly on the first try. Cause that's <laughs> usually like a tough one for people. So I, I'm from California. I, I know how to pronounce right? it. Right. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super excited and to, you know, partner with you all on our, um, pre-order campaign. I can't remember when this will air, but I guess that's another thing I will add that, um, is so important and that I'm, I'm hugely proud of, which is we launched a, a pre-order campaign to support local independent bookstores around the country. And we, we launched that campaign before the pandemic happened uh, because we all know how vital 
bookstores are to our communities and uh, how important it is to support them as local, you know, small businesses. And then the pandemic happened and it couldn't have become even, you know, more important. Um, so many of our partners have told us that every single online order makes a difference. Every pre-order makes a difference. And uh, it's literally, you know, keeping them afloat, helping them stay in business in really challenging, uncertain times. And um, I'm super proud. We now have I think 25 partners, we've grown our list and it's just been really amazing to get to connect with um, all these incredible uh, book uh, stores and booksellers across the country and all these other independent um, local small businesses. So really proud to be a part of that community too. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that. Yes, the Indies definitely need and appreciate that support right now. So yes, yes. Order awesome. your book well, from an indie. Yeah, I'm sad that uh, I won't get to actually see you in person. Obviously, uh, my book tour got canceled. Uh, so here we are, uh, you know, online. But um, I'm super excited for when you can reopen your doors and um, where I'll actually get to interact with folks and, and read to kids. And I look forward to that. that yes, moment. we would love to have you whenever we're allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.